to the Lockdown Cowboys Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys Podcast. Landon, week six is over. We are on to week seven. But it sounds like we might be talking a little bit more about what happened in uh, Monday night's game with the Packers. A game that has nothing to do with the Cowboys, but... Uh, it's been a, an interesting week uh, on Twitter, hasn't I, it? I, part of this is going to be because I've already had too much coffee, and part of this is going to be uh, because of the doubt that has been sowed into my mind by the terrible, uh, you know, seemingly negligent NFL refereeing that's going on in the in the Lions-Packers game, but clearly, I mean, the Cowboys experienced a he- sure. healthy dose, yeah. of it, dose of it when they played the Packers as well. All right, so we're going to do do a lot of questions on the Cowboys. We're going to talk about some of the things we saw in the All-22. But let's go ahead and start there because I was fired up last night watching that Packer-Lions game. Uh, in case you didn't see it, uh, Detroit, for lack of a better word, got screwed out of that game. Uh, There's about four or five different calls that went against them that were pretty obvious missed calls by the officiating. Uh, so I, I, I want to start out with one of these questions. Um, this one comes from Carter. He says, Marcus, you regularly say that officiating is the NFL's biggest problem. It is. Given the widesp- uh, widespread lack of competence, do you think this is a more of a problem generated from a poor rule book that is too hard to interpret or something else? Uh, what do you think, Lane? Is the rule book too hard to interpret, and that's why we're seeing so many missed calls, or do we just have incompetent refs out there right now? I think that the problem is it's multifaceted. It's been a total lack of respect for the game as it was constituted originally, and there's been chipping away at the rules, which has made it more and more complicated. And then on top of that, a you know just a general. Uh, lack of investment in, in the referee spot, you know, like, I mean, first of all, there could be more referees, there could be uh, more sure. people doing more things, but instead what they've decided to do is change the rules so that there's more interpretation left to people on the field, and now you've got billion dollar, industry, billion dollar teams with million, tens of million dollar players, uh, you know, being decided by somebody who is a part-time employee, you know, trying to keep up, with, trying to keep up on the field, making decisions while themselves sprinting at full speed up and down the sidelines. I just think that it's the problem is not just the referees and the lack of quality there, but it, the the unwillingness by the NFL to actually fix the problem, and yeah, and and not just like. You know, oh, I, I don't know what we can do about it, and not just oh, I don't want to spend the money. Like oh, they just they don't really care about this, and I mean, it's hard not to think otherwise. I mean, it's just it's it's absolutely ridiculous how many times we've turned on games or turned on different, uh, you know, Cowboys or otherwise, and seen just egregious penalties be called, game changing penalties be called. Uh, and, and just the way that everything is being called is so different from game to game, from crew to crew. Uh, it, it really puts the, the, 
uh, fairness of the game at, at risk. And, and, and we're already dealing in a world where it feels like uh, – it feels like the the NFL is putting its thumb on on the on the scales at times. For 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 them to add this kind of level of doubt into the fandom with this yeah, referee is yeah. it's it's bad business. And and everyone can make the joke that all they want that oh the dying NFL blah 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 blah. But I mean that doesn't mean that this is good. You know, just because I mean, no, the, the, of this, not. it could we could still have a terrible, a, a worsening product and have increased you know viewership, and that that's playing right into what the NFL ownership wants. Not, I mean, the people that have been fans of NFL and, and football in general for years and years. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we could dive into. We're not going to spend this whole oh, podcast talking about Oh, man, I spent all the five minutes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Uh, one of the things that I'll quickly touch on is it, it does seem like this league is very reactionary. So what I mean yeah. is they'll make a bad call, and then they'll make a bad rule to make up and cover up for the bad call. I mean, A great example is the Des Bryant catch in 2014. Uh, everybody who watched that game thought that was a catch by Des. Uh, they tried to, the NFL, Dean Blandino tried to tell us it was a catch. So what did they do the next offseason? They made the, the catch rule even more difficult to understand. So now when we watch a game on Sunday, we have no idea what a catch is, yeah. right? You, it, it's two steps sometimes, it's three steps, sometimes you need a football move, sometimes you need to cover so much ground, and now we have no idea. So instead of just admitting, hey, we made the wrong call, we, further complicate it with a, a bad rule. Same thing for the pass interference. There was a, obviously a bad call in the Saints-Rams playoff game with pass interference, and now we have a rule uh, so you can challenge pass interferences, but it doesn't seem like it matters because Al Riveron and his his crew decides that we're not going to reverse any call, no matter how good or bad it is. So it, it, it just seems like there's just a lot of... Uh, trying to cover up, you know, not, not cover up as, you know, these games are rigged or anything, but just cover their own mistakes, uh, by having bad rules over and over. Uh, any last words before we move no, on? No, I, I mean, it's just, it's really disheartening and it, frankly, it's, it's lessening my desire to watch the sport, to be honest. I, I, absolutely. I, when I watched that game last night, I, I did not feel good about what I watched at all. Not because I was rooting for the Packers or for the Lions, but it just, as a football fan, it really takes away from what was a pretty good Monday night football game. That's all we talked about today, and rightfully so, because the officiating was that bad in that game. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll get to some of your Twitter questions. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. 
Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Landon, uh, we, we've got a lot of Twitter questions from you guys, over 65 questions. Jeez. Uh, we're not going to get to them all, um, but let's go ahead and try to you know, get through as many as we can. Uh, the first one comes from Tommy. He wants to know, how has the use of play action changed from the first three games as opposed to the last three? What effects do you think it's had in this offense? I, I know there's a lot of people concerned uh, that the Cowboys aren't using play action enough. They're not throwing the ball enough on early downs. What's going on with Kellen Moore's offense? You know, I think it does feel like there has been less play action. I don't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. Um, uh, I think that, you know, that using play action is basically beneficial at any point. So you don't really need to establish the run, as they say, in order for play action yep. to be effective. So there's really not so much of an excuse. You know, I, I, I think that I, I will say that as far as, you know, under center play action, like handoff bootleg, you know, that sort that level of play action, you know, a lot of it, and any play action that actually requires the quarterback to turn his back to the defensive backfield, I feel like maybe a lot of that had to be taken out uh, when you're dealing with with the injuries that they were on their offensive line. Like, you know, I think that mm-hmm. I think that that had something to do with it. Now, that that's not all of play action. Play action is still effective from the shotgun, whether you're, you know, pretending to use zone read or whether it, through an RPO or what, you know, I, I think the play action still has use there. Um, but I think an element of it got taken away by the fact that Dak was getting murdered on every hit, when, even when he was just dropping back to pass normally. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't think that they're, I mean, I think they should t- continue to increase the number, the amount of play action. I, I'm hoping that with the return of the tackles, there will be a healthy bump there. Uh, but I think, you know, a lot of it might be in reaction to what they have out there and the ability to safely put Dak in the back, in the, you know, in the quarterback, in the pocket with his back to the, the defense, uh, before he turns around and starts, you know, uh, Try to scan the defense post play action. I just think it, there's a safety element there that's involved. Yeah, I, I do think that's part of it. Um, I think there's also been a little bit of a game plan thing. I think Dallas wants, when they play some of these games on the road, like against the Saints and the Jets, they want to run the ball a lot on early downs. And, and that's before in the first three weeks of the season, that's when you were seeing a lot of play action. So I'll be curious to see when they play at home this week against the Eagles. Uh, when they'll know the snap count, the tackles will know the snap count. They can hear it, uh, whether if they do uh, use a little bit more play action. Um, this is a common question, Landon, from a lot of different people, but uh, they want to know what's going on with the linebackers. It seems like we talk about this every week on this show, uh, but I think it was another subpar uh, you know, game from these, these linebackers, especially Jalen Smith. Uh, what did you see on film from these guys? I mean, I don't know that Jalen was any worse than Leighton. I mean, Leighton was pretty bad too. Yeah, I mean, Leighton was bad. Yeah, uh, it, it wasn't good. I don't. I mean, I think with I'm I'm more disappointed with with Leighton just because I feel like he's 
it feels like he's had issues with you know bringing himself to a stop reacting properly like you know stopping in time not you know he's overrunning plays uh, you know I, I, I think that a lot of what's happening is what's been going on in front of them and uh, you know the fact that I think that's definitely part of uh, it but I think that a lot of it is just I don't know it's hard I, I really don't know like I think it's difficult I think that part of it is that they're playing teams are playing using misdirection because they know that the aggressive nature of the linebackers can uh, play against them um, but I also, like I said, I also think that part of it is just bad play. I, I think that uh, another issue here is that, uh, you know, is that, like I said, when the defensive line isn't playing well, the linebackers are, are trying their best to make the defensive line right. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to, to, to parse, you know, with whether, who's wrong on, on, a, on a run play. Because you assume that this person has this gap, and you know, mm-hmm. and then and really they, they had an exchange going or something. So, but I, I just feel like what I'm seeing is that they're you know they're having issues with misdirection. They're getting blocked a lot more often than they have been. I feel like, um, and and when they're getting blocked, we're noticing it more because the guys who are letting the guys that are being passed off on the first level of our defense. Uh, to, 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 so that the blockers can get to our linebackers, those defensive linemen that are getting passed off aren't making the plays. Like, if they, if they were making the plays at the line of scrimmage, you wouldn't even notice that the guys had gotten to the second level of our defense. Uh, so I think that that's a... So what's the solution here? What, what, are, what do the Cowboys have to fix? I, I don't know if they can get it fixed six, this week against the Eagles, but, you know, into the bye week and long term, what can they do to get these linebackers playing at a better level? I mean, I just think there needs to be better fits across the defense. I mean, and I think that we, uh, I mean, especially in the run game, it, it just feels like they need to, everyone needs to be in their fits better. I, there's, when one person gets pushed out of their out of their hole, it, it makes the whole group look bad. And, and you can blame the linebacker group because it, you know, it looks like they're missing tackles, but it's because a guy is running past them a gap over. You know, because they have a clean gap. So, uh, I think, you know, when the, when the tackle, when the play is presenting itself, they need to be making the play. That's the, that's their part of it, is that when the play presents themselves, you can't overrun it, you can't miss the tackle, you can't, you know, grasp and miss and, 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 and lose contain. You need to do your job there. I'm giving them a little bit of leeway because there is some defensive line, defensive tackle specifically play in front of them that's not been good. But at the same time, they're missing the plays that they're getting to at time at more often than they were previously. They need to be making a higher percentage of the plays that are presented to them. All right, this next one comes from uh, Tyler. He wants to know: Do you think Tony Pollard will be used more this week? Uh, he says, "I feel like he's been underutilized." Uh, you know, he had the big game against Miami where he had 125 yards on 13 touches. Since that game, over the last three weeks, seven total touches, touches, uh, no targets, no receptions. Uh, do you anticipate the Cowboys using more of Tony Pollard this week? He's had targets since then, hasn't? I mean, he had he he ran that he, slant. He, then he had what? He he had one, and that was a pass interference. So it, it oh, technically okay. doesn't go as a well, target. I, but that's the and only I'm pretty one. sure that he had another one that was. A penalty called back, right? Yeah, I think it was on the. I think it was on offense. Yeah, though. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that 
you know, I, I think that the Pollard is a is a is a mix up guy. I mean, I think that you would be foolish to consider him like a cog of this offense. I mean, like a main cog of this offense. I think he has value uh, as a mix up guy, but I don't know that you know when things are going bad that you want to start trying to rely on Pollard necessarily because I don't. I mean, I don't know that he's that kind of player. Uh, at least not yeah, yet. But I, I, and I'm not even saying giving him, you know, obviously like 15, 20 touches, but it does seem like this offense could use seven to eight to nine touches a game from Pollard. Um, I, I, I hate to bring this up, but like if you watch the L22 from the Jets game, and there was a couple times where Zeke was either missing holes that he maybe should have. There was a long run where he was out and out wide with Frederick out in front of him, and he decided to cut back instead of going up the field. Uh, I know John Oning posted the gif of that. That one was a little concerning. Uh, there was a couple times where he was look, looking like Elliot was lumbering a little bit. We saw the video yesterday, yesterday of him having a pretty significant mm-hmm. limp. I'm just not sure what why the Cowboys are so afraid to give him five or six touches, to give Elliott a break on offense, because I think he needs it, and I think it would be better for the Cowboys long-term and Elliott long-term to, to see his snaps go down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Pollard also got hurt and was limping at points last week, you know? I mean, I mean, I remember him getting his, little, his ankle and doing that. So I, I think that there's... I, I understand what you're saying, and and I, and I definitely think Pollard has value as a as a change of pace guy and, and more. Um, but I think that at this point, like they are trying to get some basic offense going. Like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know that like do trying a whole bunch of different things to get your offense going is is like that's you don't have a ton of possessions, so you don't really have a whole bunch of time to try a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I I think yeah. that's. That's more for when you have, you've gotten things going a little bit, and maybe they start to catch on, and then you you mix him in there to kind of change it up even more. I I, I just think they've th- these last few games they've kind of gotten themselves into positions where they've the the game script has kind of been presented itself in a way that is not best for Pollard getting a bunch of touches. All right, let's take one more quick break, and we'll come back and answer a few more questions. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't always know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online. And their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. And that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now, my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code locked on to activate that offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Landon, this next one comes from Mike. Which player should Dallas consider benching on defense to try to fix the unit? 
Uh, I'll offer one. I, I, I think it's time to consider Jordan Lewis as one of the, the, the team's top three cornerbacks. Uh, they might not have a choice this week because it sound, sounds like Anthony Brown's hamstring is pretty bad. Uh, they're not quite sure about Byron Jones, but would you consider maybe putting uh, Lewis as the outside cornerback opposite Byron Jones and maybe benching Ouzier? Mm-hmm. Would you try to do something on the defensive line? Uh, what considerations do you have there? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lewis is an easy answer because of the injury. Um, I don't really know. You know, maybe... I hate to say this, but maybe John Lee, you know, like just getting Joe Thomas all his snaps now. I agree. No, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, those that seems like someone else who could who would be uh would be you know eligible for that sort of thing. Uh, um, I don't really know who else, where else you go. I mean, maybe if you wanted to get uh, Damian Wilson some. Uh, I mean, yeah. Donovan, Donovan Wilson. Wilson. I'm always gonna call him Damian gotcha. Wilson. Uh, yeah, if you want to get Donovan Wilson some snaps at, at strong safety, or 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 you wanted to get, uh, you know, anybody. Uh, if if Heath wants to be rotated out, I'm I'm I think I'm ready to see some more new blood at that spot too. Yeah, I, I agree. It's I, I would I would mention Joe Thomas as maybe one of the nickel linebackers because. Uh, Jalen struggled in some of the open field stuff against some of their running backs in the last game. I, I'm just wondering, next week against the Eagles, uh, Miles Sanders uh, and Darren Sproles, they made some big plays in that Vikings game. Maybe you put Thomas out there, a guy that has maybe a little bit more agility and athleticism well, I think, yeah, to match up with some of those guys. Use all three. I mean, you know, I, 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 the, I think the best package for, for the Eagles is that three-man defensive line with Jalen you know, blitzing and then use Layton and, and Thomas on the back end. I think that works well. Uh, probably. Um, a lot of people, we, we've got to touch on this, a lot of people want to know what we think about Jason Garrett. Uh, Jerry Jones <laughs> went on the radio today. I think we all, I think they, they Jerry, know how we feel about Jason Garrett, don't they? Well, <laughs> they want to know, do we expect the Cowboys to fire Jason Garrett? And if they do move on, uh, who would be potential options? I just wanted to say uh, Jerry Jones went on the radio today and said that Jason Garrett's a top-tier head coach in the NFL. He's really developed a, into one of the, the best leaders of men and play or uh, offensive personnel people in all of football. Uh, I don't expect Jerry Jones to go on the radio and trash his head coach. So what he says on those shows is kind of pointless to me. Um, but – Let's let's kind of talk about this. If if they lose this game to the Eagles, is that the point where I think you know Jerry Jones starts con- to consider what's going to happen in the future? No, I, I mean I just look. I, I don't. There's no value in firing the coach at this point. There's zero value. I mean, there's no, there's no one on because every anybody that look anybody that's on this team coaching currently. It's just as culpable for what's going on as Jason Garrett is. So okay, but let's 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 let me give you this scenario. In, in 2010, the Cowboys fired Wade Phillips, and they let J- basically Jason Garrett have the final eight games of the season to prove that he was a worthy. Um, Are you happy right? with that result? Of course well, not. Then, but I'm no, asking no, you: but... Is that possible? Is it is it possible for that to happen again? Why is it possible? Yes, it is possible, but. I think that it's 
not good for the team. It's certainly not good for a team that the team was certainly at a different point in its development than it was then. That team was old, had an old quarterback. They were looking for last some last shots. They were kind of like looking to reload with the young group. This this is still kind of a young team. So I think that you, you if you're going to do this, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying Jason Garrett should not be touched. I'm saying it's pointless to do it really before the end of the season because, I mean, who are you going to put in charge here? Well, that's the Kellen question. Moore, there's a couple. Chris Richard, there's a couple. Like, pe- yeah, there's a couple people that want it to be Richard. Yeah, but okay. Well, uh, see, that's the thing. This is the kind of uh, kind, of, kind of question, dude. <laughs> Chris Richard. Like, let me, let me. I mean, first of all, Chris Richard is. Let's be honest. More, it, more having problems with what's going on these last three games than Jason Garrett. All right, like I, I kind of. And agree. beyond that, <laughs> it's stupid to hire a defensive coach. It's stupid to hire a defensive head coach. No one should be hiring a defensive head coach anymore. Like it's it's it, go out and find an offensive. If you think that Kellen Moore is ready to be the head coach, then I guess he's probably your guy. Otherwise, what are you doing, guys? What are you doing? Yeah, the only one, Start over. The only one like, I would consider is Kellen Moore. Right. That, that's the only one that I would consider. I, yeah, I don't see. This is. But it seems that's awfully dumb. early Dude, like, into like, his like, career. Like, what is Kellen? He's Kellen Moore is just going to try to do what Jason Garrett did. Like, if you want. An actual change, then go make an actual change. But don't, you know, don't give me Kellen Moore, uh, you know, an, an inexperienced Kellen Moore who's not ready for this job. Who, you know, who, frankly, we're not even sure if he's ready for the offensive coordinator job at this point. Okay, like, yeah, I mean, that's don't fair. just put him in as as, as head coach. Uh, and, and, I mean, unless you're really ready to go down disaster road, like, because that's the thing that, that that makes me so infuriated about all this is that. Everyone's doing this like what, with what? The idea that you're going to make the playoffs? Do you think that you get a better chance of making the playoffs by firing Jason Garrett right now? Because if you do, like, I, I mean, seriously, you should redo the math on that. Like changing head coach midstream to someone that's already in the building right now, that's what are the odds that that's going to work better than the Cowboys just getting through a bad period and figuring it out? I think it's much more likely yeah. that that happens than you fire Jason Garrett and Chris Richard, who has been here this whole time and has been coaching a underperforming defense this entire season, is going to be able to rah-rah these guys. I mean, it's so hilarious because everyone loves Richard's rah-rah, you know, makes fun of, of, of Jason Garrett's clapping. They're just going to be making fun of Richard's uh, rah-rahing, and then we'll call it rah-rah Richard instead of calling Jason Garrett the clapper. <laughs> and these same fans will do this for another generation, and then the next generation of that. And then, you know, it's just... If you want to change something, then change it. Like get to the end of the season, yeah. fire everybody, and let's let's start over. But 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 don't act like this is uh, like you're actually making the team better, improving the team by getting rid of Jason Garrett in, halfway through the season. That's not going to solve anything for us getting in the playoffs this year. Yeah, let me be very very clear. Uh, I do not believe Jason Garrett is the the long term answer to get the Cowboys to where they want to go as a team. I, you know, I've said that for a few years now. I know that Chris Richard is not that guy because you know he is he's very similar to Garrett that way, where he he is a little bit of a raw rog, right? But I, I don't see the the scheme part of it that makes me think, hey, this guy is a, an innovative 
you know, thinker where uh, he's going to be able to out-coach some of these better coaches in the league. And we've seen over the course of the league, uh, the defensive coaches historically have not done very well because, you know, it's just too hard to find a consistent offensive coordinator. You cycle through those guys all the time. Uh, I, I don't see that working out. Uh, we'll see what happens to the Cowboys. Obviously, it's a big game this week against the Eagles. Uh, if they lose that game, we're going to be having some some fun conversations over the bye week. If they win it, the Cowboys are sitting right where they want to be heading into the bye week. They're going to be a game and a half up in the division with everything still in front of them. So a pretty massive game coming up here on Sunday night. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.